Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. As I was preparing for this week and and our continuation of the series, uh, I've been looking to and receiving a little bit of feedback from maybe an unlikely source uh, about our topic today. Now, that unlikely source happens to be a mouse. Now, I know what you're thinking. If you were here last week and you saw the poop brownies video and you're here this week going, he's talking to mice, maybe I've lost it. And my wife would affirm or deny that for you more clearly than I can. Uh, But just hang with me here for a minute. I'll share this lesson with you uh, as we dive in today. You see, I have an old truck. And at the risk of sounding like a country music song, I like my old truck. Now, there's nothing spectacular about it. I've had it for probably 10 years now. It's probably 20 years old. It's got 100,000 miles on it. I mean, the paint's, the clear coat's starting to crack. The interior's fading. But I like this thing, okay? It's served me well over the years. It's never left me sitting until I just mentioned that, which I'm, I'll call you if I need a ride. But I like my old truck, and I've learned that some of our new neighbors here at our house happen to like it too. Because, you see, as much as I like my truck, it still sits outside. I don't drive it that often. And, and what happens is that I'm learning that mice tend to make my truck their wintertime home. You know, the cute little cuddly brown furry squeaking mice. As innocent as that might sound, they tend to cause problems when they move into your car. Uh, I have much less if they would run across your foot while you're trying to drive. Uh, You know, I find acorns in really weird places. I don't know how they get them in there, but they're everywhere. Uh, They've chewed holes through my seat covers. I really appreciate that. Uh, I I keep extra tissues around, like napkins and stuff, and they shred that into what must be confetti for a party. That's the only thing I can think of. It's just got to be what they're doing. But, you know, the worst part of this all and this most destructive is that mice are particularly fond of wiring. Mm-hmm. They'll do it in your house, too. So one rainy day, I, I hopped in my old faithful truck and fired it up and get to take off, and I go for my windshield wipers, and I got nothing. Not high, not low, not intermittent, zilch. So some searching on Google and some searching around the truck, I I found a wiring harness that had been neatly chewed a hole in the wiring loom all the way into the wire, which controlled my windshield wiper blades. So now desperate times call for desperate measures. So if you hop in the passenger side seat of my truck, be careful because there is a trap baited on the floorboard and it will get your toes. Desperate times call for desperate measures. So what on earth does a mouse invading my truck have to do with the tough saying of Jesus? You see, this mouse for me has been illustrating Jesus' teaching about how and his warning about how we invest ourselves in this world. You see, Jesus 
taught this in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. You see, 2,000 years of human advancement and we still have mice destroying our vehicles or pieces and parts of our homes. 2,000 years of human experience and we are still apt to invest ourselves in temporal things that are rusting and wasting away before our very eyes. I mean, if you think about it, where would that truck be in 100 years? Like somebody's soup can or, you know, some other recycled gadget going down the road. I mean, where will we be? I mean, our own temporal nature comes into this question. Where would we be in 100 years? You see, as we go into our teaching today, Jesus had a lot of tough sayings about our money, about our possessions. He said things like, where your treasure is, uh, there your heart will be also. Uh, He told this story or made this analogy. He said that it was easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to go to heaven. As we continue in our series today, the tough sayings of Jesus, we're going to be challenged by this truth, that you cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. We're in the middle of a four-part teaching series called The Tough Sayings, of Jesus, and, and we're, we're diving into some of Jesus' hardest words, some of his most direct teaching for our lives, because we believe that when Jesus said these hard things and taught these hard things, that it was for our good, it was for shaping our thinking and our, our processing of our lives and how we lived. And so we're committed to looking at all of God's word, at the witness of his word, not just the pieces and parts that make us feel good or that seem easy. And so the whole exercise of diving into the tough words is not to somehow make them easy. But we want to see the truth. We want to hear what Jesus was teaching and hear the warnings that he gave to his followers. And we want to live differently in light of the truth of Jesus. Our series began wrestling with the hard truth about how we love our enemies. Because Jesus said, love your enemies. He taught that his disciples, that we as followers of Jesus, are, are to love our enemies, those that enjoy when bad things happen to us. We're to love them with the same sacrificial love that we've been loved with by God. Last week, we wrestled with a really tough teaching about sin. We wrestled with the words when Jesus spoke and he taught. He said, "Where well, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. And Jesus was not teaching mutilation or self-harm there. He's teaching and calling us to have a decisive action, a decisive cutting off and throwing away of anything that would inhibit our pursuit of Jesus. Anything that would trip us up or bog us down in pursuing intimacy with Jesus, cut it off and throw it away. So it's an invitation to intimacy. And he's saying, take decisive action now in pursuit of relationship with Jesus. And today, we're going to wrestle with some of Jesus' tough sayings, some of his tough words about our money and our possessions. And before we begin, I I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that there may be a tension in the room when the preacher talks about money. Now look, I, I like preacher jokes as much as anybody, okay? 
Most of them begin with chicken, and those that don't usually are about money. But I also understand today that there's, it might not be funny for you because there might be hurt or pain in your past. There may be broken trust for someone like me talking about money. I know that there's pain and there's been dishonest dealings uh, done in the name of church and finances. And for everything that I am able to, I want to say that I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that's your experience. So today as we go, uh, we're understanding that Jesus warned pastors and teachers and leaders and churches. He warned them because they are not exempt of the danger either. And so we're in this together. So as we dive into this text, please hear me today that I don't want your money. This was not an idea birthed because we looked at a budget sheet that was behind. That's not what this is. I don't want your money. What I'm passionate about and what I think Jesus is calling us to here is wholehearted devotion to Jesus Christ. That's what I want to see happen in my life and in your life. That's what this is about. Now, if you want to go out to coffee and you want to ask me some things I think about money, let's go. Because I, I would tell you that I, I do believe it's biblical to give a tithe, 10% of your income. I believe that's biblical. I, I believe it's good and generous to give above and beyond, yes, to the church, but to uh, other organizations doing a good work. I believe that is good. But I also am convinced that generosity that honors God begins in a heart fully committed to pursuing him. Love Jesus passionately today, friends, and allow him to transform your heart into a heart of generosity. So today is a tough saying because we like our stuff. <laughs> We like our stuff. But Jesus, in his wisdom, he sees the real danger of stuff having a grip on our hearts and in our lives. He sees the real danger of greed. He sees how things and possessions and the pursuit of, of wealth will trap people, will pull them away from God, and it interrupts their walk of faith. And so today, will, will you trust the words of Jesus? Will you trust him today? Will you trust that the abundance of life is not found in possessions alone? Will you trust him? Let's pray together. Lord, um, search our hearts today, God. Um, we like our stuff. <laughs> and so, Lord, will you search us? Will you search us? Lord, we want to live as generous people in response to the lavish love you have poured out, the generous love you have poured out on us, Lord. We want to live in response to that. And so will you search our hearts today, God, and show us uh, maybe where we're holding back from you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. And I just ask your for patience and forgiveness this week. Allergies hit our house, as I'm sure many of you are experiencing too, so might need to pause. But our, our teaching text today is in Matthew 6. Uh, we're going to begin in verse 19. It'll be on the screen in the NIV and on your uh, version notes uh, if you have the app. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 19, Jesus' teaching 
He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy. Your translation might say rust there. Uh, And so do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so we find our teaching text today in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, and this is Jesus' teaching uh, through Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Uh, it's his teaching about uh, living in his kingdom, living in pursuit, in, 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 in love of Jesus, how that shapes our lives. And he's inviting us uh, not only to see the actions of our lives, but to see the heart condition that motivates the things in our lives. And he, so he's, he's calling us to look deeper, to look at the heart matter of our walk with him. And in these verses, uh, Jesus has made an explicit connection for us. He has made the connection between our heart and our stuff. Our heart and our stuff. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, so when Jesus is inviting us to uh, invest in eternal things, this is not like insider trading info, how to boost your 401k or your savings account. Like, that's not what he was getting at here. Uh, He's teaching us to invest our focus, to leverage our lives, to make sure our attention and our affections are on eternal things. And so the prohibition is not against savings account and wise stewardship investments. It's It's not about that. Jesus is warning about the pursuit of more, that insatiable desire to have the next thing a little bit more, about allowing our hearts to become fixated on that pursuit, the bigger, faster, newer, nicer things. As with many areas on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the heart condition, the heart focus is what Jesus is calling out. So, so the question for us to wrestle with today is, is your heart invested in the here and now or in the eternal? Are you invested in the here and now or in the eternal? Jesus teaches that we're not to give our, our focus, our attention to amassing temporal things, uh, but to allow, and, and to allow them to so preoccupy us that we miss or forfeit the kingdom of God. Rather, we're to make the focus and investment of ourselves, leverage our lives, our time, our resources, our talents in things that mice and moth cannot touch. As Jesus continues, he's going to build on this analogy a little bit farther in Matthew 6, 22 and 23. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. Now, uh, this is, is really hard for us to wrestle out with because it's, it's using imagery and metaphor here. But the, the essence is Jesus is teaching that what our eyes are fixed on, what our focus, our passion, our interest, what we are fixated on affects our whole human self. It affects who we are. And so he's saying that if our focus is good, if our eye and focus is good and generous, then our whole body is full of light. But the flip of that is that if our eye and our fixation is on self-fulfillment and, and, and fulfilling our own desires and our own pursuits, how dark is our true condition? 
Jesus just moves, he, he moves to conclude this teaching with a very definitive statement about possessions in verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money, period. Perhaps this teaching made the cut, if you will, of the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus knew we would be tempted to think that we could do it. Jesus maybe knew that that we would be tempted to think that we were the gifted or the talented, maybe the driven few that could handle pursuing wealth and God. But look at what he says here, because the implication is not that if you love money, you'll be indifferent to God, that you won't be as passionate. No, the implication of the text in Jesus' word says that if you love money, you will hate God. That's scary. That's scary. You see, I believe this is a challenge for us uh, in our world because when you compare the United States with the world, we are a wealthy people. We have a wealth of resources surrounding us at all times. And so there's a danger there that materialism, the pursuit of more, is just the water we swim in. It's become the air we breathe. Extra has become the new essential. The newest model of this or that gadget means the old one's junk, right? (laughs) Got to have the new one. Got to have the new one. I believe it's easy for us to miss this influence. Because it's everywhere. It's become so normal and it's even become celebrated. Because you see, in celebrating our gauge of how successful someone is or how blessed they are maybe is not how generous they are. It's not how much they've given away or how much they've served. No, we're looking at things like their house, right? If we want to gauge success, what kind of car are you rolling? What kind of watch are you wearing? Where have you been? You see, that's the things that, that as a culture we have looked at and, and, and idolized. And don't hear what I'm not saying. Like, those things are fine. But we have idolized that pursuit of more. And the Apostle Paul, when he's writing, uh, he wrote, it's in Ephesians and it's in Colossians both. When he's writing about the danger of greed, he says greed is idolatry. It's a worship issue. It's a worship issue. What we're focused on, what we're attending, what we're striving for is a worship issue. And Jesus is teaching here, make sure that it's eternal. Make sure that it's the Lord. What's the Ten Commandments say? You shall have no other gods before me. It's a worship issue. Uh, I've been moved so many times. Uh, in my visits uh, to go see someone, whether it's in the hospital or uh, in another type of care facility. Uh, and if you've been there, you, you've lived this. But you can't walk down that hallway and tell how much a person has. You can't tell how big their house was. 
how many possessions they had or what kind of car they drove because in those rooms, in those moments, you're allowed a couple pictures, a pair of clothes, and that's it. And I've just been so moved because the possessions, the things that matter most in those moments are your faith. Like who you calling on, who you praying to in those moments. Like that's what's going to get you through. That's what you're going to cry out to is, is the Lord. And then you're going to look to your relationships. You can bring a couple pictures of people you love and that love you. And, and those visits and those calls and those cards are going to be what gets you through. Not your stuff. Because it's gone. It's gone. So we witness this in our lives. And it's still a trap. Make sure your heart, make sure your treasure is eternal today, friends. Make sure it's eternal. So for, for all of the implications that this can mean in your life and for our story together, there, there's some important things that this doesn't mean. Uh, you, you might be wondering, so does this mean that to be a Christian I have to be poor? No. That's not what this is about. You see, uh, uh, Abraham... Uh, he he was, might have been one of the richest people in the world when God called him. And we sing about him in our Sunday school classes. See, Moses, he, he was the prince of Egypt. Uh, David, he was a famous king. Matthew, who recorded our gospel teaching text today, he was a tax collector. He had free right to skim a little extra off the top. You see, the Bible's teaching us about our attitude towards money, not necessarily our checking account balance. There's a difference. There's a difference. Well, well, didn't Jesus say, blessed are the poor? We can't stop there. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And so Jesus was teaching to see the heart condition of utter bankruptcy that we need a Savior, that we cannot save ourselves. So when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who get to that point, they realize that they're spiritually bankrupt, and they come to the king. Blessed are. Well, what about that crazy bit about a camel and a needle, and what, what's all that about? Well, if you read on in that story, Jesus makes a very important distinction. He says this, he says, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You see, Jesus, when he was talking about a camel and a needle, he, he was just saying that, look, there's no amount of wealth, there's no amount of material blessing that will get you through the kingdom of God. It only comes through Jesus. That's the issue. That's the issue. So what's it boil down to? I think it boils down to this. That we can have stuff, but our stuff cannot have us. We can have possessions, but our possessions cannot possess us. Paul, when he was writing to Timothy, he wrote this. He said in 1 Timothy 6, those who want to get rich fall into temptation. Those who want to build up treasures on earth fall into a temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And this is the verse you've probably heard before. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves. That word there literally means tortured their souls 
Many people have wandered from the faith and tortured their souls with many griefs. Where's your heart invested today? Where's your heart? So, so how, do we, how do we combat this? What do we do? Jesus said uh, a little later in his ministry, he said, watch out. Watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. You, you see this heart cry, what Jesus is trying to get us to see when our hearts are fixated on other things. It goes beyond just money. You see, our hearts can be fixated on things like uh, uh, acceptance, and that's our pursuit. It can be fixated on gaining power, and that becomes our pursuit. It can be uh, uh, fixated on all kinds of the control. Be on guard. Be on guard. So, so how do we take this warning to heart? As the band comes up this morning, what steps do we take? How do we get awareness to be thinking about this, to discern where our heart lies? If you're a note taker, man, this part's for you. There's three parts I think we need to pay attention to. This is not a magic formula. I just think these are places that we can begin this conversation with the Lord. First, I, I think it's, it might be too simplistic, but I think we need to ask the Lord to show us where our treasures are. I think we have to ask because I believe it's become so normal that it's hard for us to discern it in our own hearts. And in our own lives, it's only by his influence, by, by his perspective, that we can know where our treasures are, where our hearts are fixated, what our pursuits are. Because, man, I, I recognize in my own life how, how quickly I will start looking at other things. And for me, it's like boats or truck parts or fishing, whatever. But there's this fixation on what's more, what's, what's a newer thing. Well, man, those iPhone 14 commercials get me every time. i got to have one. But you see, there's something happening there. Now, look, I don't think there's anything wrong with truck parts or whatever your thing is. But watch out. Watch out. I, I was studying this this week and... Uh, I was sitting up at the Cross Keys intersection on 33 in a mile-long line of cars waiting to get through the light. And I'm sitting there, and, and don't judge me. I see this truck coming up. And y'all are like, officially, I'm a country music song now. I see this truck come up, and it catches my eye. It happens. And I'm looking at the tires on this truck going, man, those are nice. I wonder if I could get a set of them. I need a set of them. No, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, in the middle of thinking this, my eye is still looking. I'm just going, man... Lord, it's there. It's there. Will you show me, Lord? Will you show me? And so I, I think we have to begin, if we're, uh, we're going to be honest and sincere in seeking Jesus, we have to begin by asking him to show us. And then we need not squirm away when he presses on a sensitive area in our life. Because the, the fact of the matter is, we like our stuff. We've talked about that, right? When Jesus starts pressing on it, it might hurt. We might want to deny it. But will you lean in and listen to him in those moments? As you're praying, as you're seeking him, listen. 
and trust Him. Trust Him. We begin by asking. Next, I say let's practice gratitude. Practice gratitude. And I say practice very intentionally there. Because I know in my own experience, gratitude is a conscience decision over comparison. I'm quick to comparison. Well, those tires look better on that truck than that. You see, comparison. What does that new iPhone or what does that person have that I don't? I'm quick to comparison. And so I know that to live and practice gratitude is a conscious decision in our lives. To be thankful and genuinely appreciative for what God has given us. When it might not be everything we would want, but to still look at it and say, God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this car that I'm able to sit in and get up 33. Thank you for whatever it is. Practice gratitude over comparison. And finally, we got to live generously. Live generously. Pastor Billy, you've met him here in teaching and through life group curriculum maybe. He has this quote where he says, uh, It is possible for God to have all of your money and not have all of your heart. Okay? But, there's always a but. But, it's impossible for God to have all of your heart and not have all of your money. It's not possible. Friends, as God does his transforming work in and through our lives, we will be generous people. It's who we are as children of the King. A lifestyle of generosity is the lifestyle of worshiping a generous God. Let's live generously. With our time, our talents, our treasures, live generously in light of all we've been given in in the generosity, the outpouring of God's love. Let's live generously. Let's live generously. just been captivated by that idea this week that generosity is the lifestyle when you worship a generous God. It's a lifestyle. So today, as as we conclude, I I would just invite you to stand. Uh, We're going to seek the Lord today. We're going to seek the Lord today. And maybe you would join me in, in these prayers, in this pursuit, in this listening to the Holy Spirit this morning. Maybe you would begin this morning with your heart bowed before the king to just say, Lord, where am I living generously? Lord, where where am I living generously? Where am I storing up treasures in heaven? And allow him to speak into your life, into what the good stuff that's already going on. And then let's ask, Lord, where am I holding back? Where am I holding on to things, possessions, whatever, Lord? Where am I holding back in my relationship with you? Will you seek him today? Will you seek him? Will you hear his affirmation of where you are storing up treasures in heaven? 
will you not harden your heart when he presses on you and says you're holding back here? Lord Jesus, search our hearts today. Search our hearts. We don't want to be a people that hold back. Lord, you are a lavishly generous God. We want to be a lavishly generous people because we are your children. So God, will you do that work in our lives? Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.